Let's read this together. It says, By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. This is the word of the Lord. You can be seated. Amen. Man, it is so good to see you this morning. I want to tell you, we've already worshiped, haven't we? My word, the Lord is good to us. Uh, we're going to continue, though. Uh, if you are new around here, if this is uh, your first time here, let me kind of tell you the lay of the land for a second. This is a family. This is a body. We're brothers and sisters in Christ, those of us who have surrendered our life to him. And so what we do here is we kind of have a family reunion. And uh, as Zion has just done, we read from the family book that our Heavenly Father gave to us that we believe to be literal and true, and we want to follow and obey what it is that He has to tell us. And so our hope today is, is that when we're singing, when we're reading the Word, when we're engaging with it, that we're also hearing and asking the Holy Spirit to do a work in us. Uh, and you've been prayed for this morning already. Uh, we have come in here uh, this morning and we've asked God, God, would you do a great movement? Would you start a movement and make it happen this week, today? Would you begin this? Uh, we don't normally have all this up. This is vacation Bible school week. And so we're asking the Lord to do great and mighty things this week uh, through our kids and uh, through the teachers and all that are involved. In, uh, and, and again, my prayer is, is that it wouldn't just be this week, but it would begin today that he would do something in our lives today because we're asking him uh, to move. We're in week three of a series called By Faith, Hebrews chapter 11. If you have your Bibles, I hope that you'll have them open. Uh, grab a, a piece of paper maybe around you or thumb some notes in or something because we, listen, the, you know, the more you read it, you sing it, you look at it, you move with it, you write it, you engage with the Word of God, it helps us to be able to remember what it is that He has for us and what it is that He says to us, all right? So 
we're, we're talking about by faith. Hebrews chapter 11 is called the Hall of Fame of Faith because the writer of Hebrews, he starts out by talking about what is faith. He defines it for us. Look at Hebrews 11.1. 1. He says, now faith, now faith is, that word is, he's going to define something. He says, now faith is the assurance, your surety, the assurance of things that are hoped for, for the conviction, things that you stand strong on, for the conviction of things not seen. Okay, now that I've kind of walked through that, let me just kind of read it to you. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. What this writer does, we don't know who the writer of Hebrews is, uh, but we know that he understood and he knew very well the Jewish faith. He was writing to a group of Jews. He was writing to a Jewish population, a group who were being persecuted, who were being told, hey, come back, go back to the synagogue, don't follow this Messiah. We're still waiting on the Messiah. And he's writing to say, hey, listen, listen, there are all kinds of people in our family line who had faith, who were looking forward to something. He said, listen, your faith is an assurance, something that's sure. You haven't seen it yet, but you're basing your life on it. You have assurance of that. And he begins to walk through a whole line of people. Like two weeks ago, he, we read and walked through. We, we break this into a series. This is like a letter. but So he's written and he says, listen, he examined the faith of Abel. He examined the faith of Enoch. Last week, Jordan Rabin walked us through the faith of Noah, but by far the person who gets the most words, who gets the most writing, who gets the most ink is Abraham. And we're, we're spending some time here looking at the faith of Abraham. And, and in here, you're going to see, I hope, we, as we try to do each week, we try to break this down so that you can, you can digest it, you can eat it a little bit. Uh, three things that I want you to see today. So these are the three things I want you to write down to kind of get us as a guide, a roadmap of where we're going. See, real faith, real faith obeys. Real faith obeys. Real faith obeys. Real faith also endures. And real faith pursues. Real faith obeys, it endures, and it pursues. The question today maybe for you is this, is why, why does this matter? Why should this matter to me today? Why, why do we keep talking about this? Why, what, what does today have to do with anything? Well, in the day and time in which we live where you hear, be true to you. Listen, this hasn't worked for you. You don't feel like it's happening. Listen, listen, why don't you be true to you? Don't listen to what they say. Don't listen to what maybe the word of God has to say, you, you do you and you be true to you. In fact, if it's not working, how about you just pump the brakes and you turn and you, you jump over here? You, you not, don't worry about this. You go and you, per, you, you don't have to endure. It hasn't worked yet, so keep moving on. You haven't got the answer that you've desired, so you, you keep moving on. In fact, why don't you start pursuing something else? And some of you today, you've come in here today and you're tired, you're weary, you're, you're trying to figure out, is this actually what I want to stick with? Some of you are going, listen, I was invited here because my friends, they think this is something that I need. And I, my hope and my prayer today is that through the reading of his word, the singing of his word, as we listen to his word preached and talked about, 
that the Spirit of God will move and speak to you in a powerful way. So let's look at the very first point here. He, in, in Hebrews, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read verse 8. I'm not going to read back through what Zion did, so I'm going to read a lot of Scripture, but we're not gonna, I'm not going to read all of it again. Let's look at real faith obeys. In Hebrews 11.8, the writer says this, By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive. He was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where that place, not knowing where he was going. Uh, you learn and are first introduced early in Genesis, Genesis chapter 12, 12 through about 25. You're going to read all about Abraham. I tell you that because I hope that you'll go back and follow through. You'll look and you'll see for yourself. You'll be Bereans. Don't take what I say as truth. Go back to the word to examine it. In Genesis 12, we're introduced to a guy named Abram, who will eventually be called Abraham and his wife, Sarai, who will become Sarah. So if you're all right, I'm going to go ahead and call them what they're going to be called for the most part, Abraham and Sarah. And Abraham receives a word from the Lord. I don't know how that happens because he was not, listen, he wasn't a pastor. He wasn't a Christian. There were no Christians then. He wasn't a God-fearer. The scripture tells us that he was in uh, the Ur of Chaldeans and that he was a pagan idol worshiper. And somehow the Lord spoke to him, opened his eyes, gave him faith, just like he does us when he saves us. You see, you're standing in the line. We, uh, Abraham wasn't looking for God. He didn't try to build himself up. He, I mean, he wasn't trying to earn his salvation. The Lord, boom, spoke to him and called him. And the scripture, at that moment, he believed in God. He believed in God. So when the word of God came to him, then the scripture tells us that he obeyed. When the Lord said to him, listen, I want you to go to a place I'm going to send you. I'm not going to tell you where it is. You're going to know. He couldn't plug this address into Waze. He didn't use Google Maps. He didn't have anything like that. He just said, you're going to get up and you're going to go. So what did Abraham do? He told Sarah, hey, we're leaving. Lot, his nephew, and all of Who knows how long it took him to get ready. What we do know and understand, though, is that he immediately began to respond to the word that God had given him. Oftentimes, what I find in my own life, maybe you, you hear from the word of God, the written word. He heard the voice of God. We have the written word of God. Oftentimes, what ends up happening is I hear the word of God, and I try to think through, what, is this true? Should I do this? Here's what we know. Abraham heard the word of God, and he obeyed it. He got up, and he went, not knowing where to go, not knowing exactly where he was supposed to stop. The scripture says that he got to the land, and when he got to the land, the Lord said, you're here. You're here. And so he built an altar there, he built an altar. He obeyed what the Lord said. He built an altar, and he worshiped in the very place that the Lord sent him to. The Lord told him, said, you're going to go to this place, and you're going to have descendants. Now, let me put this in perspective. He was 75 when the word of the Lord came to him. His wife was 65. You're going to go to this place. You're going to pack up, you're going to leave, uh, and I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your descendants, Abraham, 75-year-old man. There may be some of you in here close to that. I'm going to make your descendants, who you don't have any kids right now, you're going to have kids. You're going to, your descendants are going to be as numerous as the stars and as numerous as the sand on the seashore. That's going to happen. 
And you know what Abraham did? He believed God. He believed God. Now, I said this two weeks ago. And if you, have, if you didn't write it down, you're going to hear it again. So that means I want you to write it down. I'm going to repeat this often. When we come to faith in Christ, we believe in God. That's called salvation. Believing in God. True salvation only becomes from believing in God, surrendering our life to Jesus Christ the Savior. But real true followers of Christ exhibit that by believing God. Not believing in, but believing God. Believing in God is your, that, that's your salvation. Believing God at his word and what it is that he calls, you, calls us to do, that's called sanctification. That's a living faith. Believing in God is salvation. Believe God and his word and obey is called sanctification. That takes a lifetime. We come to Jesus Christ in an instant. When we surrender our life to him under his righteousness, not our merit, a merit not my own. We sung that song just a minute ago. Nothing I can do. He did the the work, his finished work. We are in Christ Now then, it's a matter of, are we going to believe God and his word? And what we see here is that Abraham at 75, Sarah at 65, believed God. They packed up and they left. They went. God's told us to go. God said that he's going to give us uh, children. He's going to make our descendants numerous. I don't know how it's going to work. I don't know what's going to happen. How does, all, how does this happen? I mean, Sarah, I know how it happens, but I mean, how does this happen? I'm 75. You're 65. It, it, what seemed illogical and unbelievable, Abraham said, the word of the Lord has come to me. We're going to, I'm going to believe this. I'm going to walk in what it is that he has told me. Let's Fast forward 25 years. Look at Hebrews eleven seventeen. Hebrews eleven seventeen says, By faith, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son. Now let me let me let's pause there. Boom, let's pause. A little parenthetical here. What ends up happening here is, is that for 25 years they just walk. God has told us this. They go to the land. They see the land. He never builds a city. He's a man who lives in tents. They end up going down to Egypt because there's a famine. Some crazy things happen, but he remembers, hey, listen, God has promised me. He continues to walk and believe the promises of God that there's going to be a land. There's going to be numerous people. He knows that Cana is the, is the land. The reason he's in Egypt to begin with is because there was a famine. And so he says, we go back to, let's go back to Cana because that's the land that's been given to me. The Lord God gives him, an, he and Sarah, a child 25 years later. I'm not good math. I have Texas math. 75 and 25 means 100. I know there are no 100-year-old men in here. I, I don't think there's any 90-year-old women in here. There are some who may be close. I, I need... A, a, can you think about that for just a moment? I'm not talking about, uh, ladies, I'm not talking about you keeping your great, great granddaughter's kids. I'm talking about you birthing a baby. Men, 100 years old, you might be thinking, I- I'll be able to do that. I don't know. 
Here's what I know to be true. They obeyed what the, they continued to walk in the word that the Lord had given them. They continued to walk in it. Not sure how it's going to happen. Not sure what's going to happen. But the Lord gave them a son named Isaac. And then the word of the Lord comes to him and says, hey, Isaac, I want, uh, Abraham, here's what I want you to do. In the morning, I want you to get up. I want you to pack your son up, gather wood, and you're going go to uh, go to a place that I'll tell you about. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> I'm going to tell you about the place. And when you get there, you're going to sacrifice your one and only son. If I were Abraham, I would be going, wait a minute. You, first off, I'm 100. You want me to pack up wood? You want me to go? You... you, you you're gonna, you want me to sacrifice the promised one through whom all this is going to happen? Abraham, the scripture tells us, got up and he left. They get to a mountain called Moriah, which is Jerusalem. They get to a mountain. He looks at his servants. He says, we're, we're going to go to that mountain. We're going to make a sacrifice, and then we're going to come back. We're going to come back. You see, he believed God. He didn't know how it was going to work, but he believed God. Let me ask you a question. What do you believe in God for today? What is it that you're in the middle of? Maybe you've been praying for it for 25 years. You know what I find most often? And this happens in my own life. Maybe it's been yours. You've prayed for something for about 25 minutes, maybe 25 days, and you've not seen it. You go, well, I don't guess that's going to happen. Uh, who are you praying for? What are you praying for consistently, persistently asking God to do? For 25 years, they waited. And now the Lord said, I want you to give that back. The one whom the promise is going to be coming through, I want you to lay him on the altar. I want you to lay him on the altar. Look at verse 19. Verse 19 says this. It says, He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did. He knew when Isaac asked him, Dad, we've got the wood. We've got stones we're going to get. We've got the fire. Where? is the sacrifice. And he said, regardless, God, God can handle this. I don't know how it's going to happen, but God has called and I'm going to obey. Now, real quick, I want to stop here for a second and say, what's happening here? This is a picture of God sending his one and only son through whom the promised land we would see one day who he would sacrifice his son so that we might have a place in heaven if we would submit to him. This is the picture that we're seeing. The scripture tells us in Genesis that when they get there, they build everything. Isaac is bound. He's laid on the altar. Laid on the altar. And as he's about to sacrifice his son, the angel of the Lord says, stop, I see that you love me. You truly love me. You've obeyed every word. You're not going to sacrifice him. There was a ram in the thicket caught in the bushes that was sacrificed. Abraham obeyed even when it didn't make sense. I'm, I'm an old man. I'm going to have a kid. I get the child. You now want me to sacrifice. I will obey. Is there anything deep in your heart the Lord is speaking to you about? 
that you're thinking, ah, is this heartburn? Is it something I ate last night? Is it that you're thinking, I don't, is, how do I know? Is there something the Lord is speaking to you about and he's calling you to obey him in? Because you see, real faith obeys what the Lord has called us to do. Real faith obeys. You know what happens oftentimes in our lives? We take obedience matters and we stick it, we stick it in, the, in, the, in the box of evaluation box of expense versus ex, uh, investment. If, if I go do this and I, how about I put it in, these ver, in, these, in, these, in this language? I'm being asked to serve in this place, but if I serve over here, that means I don't know if I have time because I've got all of this over here. See, what's ended up happening is, is you're viewing serving for kingdom purposes as an expense rather than an investment. And it may mean some of the places that we've been investing, we have to cut investing here so that we can invest here because it's the kingdom of God is never an expense. What we view as sacrifice is offering. It's joy. You see, expense sounds like duty. Investment is bounty and treasure. And this is what the Lord calls us to, whether it's our time, our talent, our abilities, our finances. The Lord has called, and when what his word says to us, Hebrews goes on to say that in the last days, he's given us his word. This is the word. So what he speaks, we obey. We follow it. You see, real faith obeys. The second thing is real faith endures. Verses 11 through 12, real faith endures. By faith, Sarah, by faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful, who had promised. Put a stop right there on verse 11. See, Sarah by faith. Ladies, I want you to catch this. Sarah by faith. She's counted as a part of the faith of Abraham, but she's in the section with Abraham. But Sarah herself exercised faith, the scripture says. Ladies, don't depend on your husband's faith. You need a faith, a faith that is strong. Men, if you want a wife who has strong faith, men, we need you to have strong faith, to walk in the Lord, to spend time investing. Men, as you obey the word of the Lord, as you obey it, it gives your wife confidence to go. Ladies, I want you to, I want you to hear this. As you walk obediently to the word, it is a witness to your husband to continue on. Verse 12, therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead. Isn't that a great parenthetical statement? Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. They had waited 25 years for the promise to be made true, for God to fulfill his promise. And God did fulfill it. Do you realize what God promises in his word he is going to see through? The problem that we have, or let me say, the problem that I have is I'm asking God to fulfill all of my promises, my desires, my wants. God's not obligated to fulfill my desires and my wants. God's going to fulfill 
his word, what he has asked, what he has said. You see, we're obedient to his word, so we pray his word. We ask him to do what it is that only he can do according to what his word has called. Now, let me bring this down for just a second here. If you're praying and asking for a new home, a new car, and a new spouse, God's not going to, God's not going to answer that. But when you're praying, when you're praying, God, I'm asking you to save people. God, I'm asking you to make your name great among the nations. Do you realize we're asking God to bring 200 children to VBS this week? We've been praying that. God, I'm, I'm asking you to do that. Do you know God's not uh, obligated to bring 200 children? But I'm asking God, God, would you bring 200 children? And I'm asking God, would you please save kids this week? You know, God, God's going to save kids this week. You know why? Because that's what his desires, his heartbeat is all about, saving kids. He, he's not obligated to bring 200 kids. He is going to save children, though. And so we pray and we ask God, would you do a great work? God, would you save children? God, would you rearrange families in this room, in the first service, and in this room? I guarantee you that there are lives in here who have been radically changed and altered because of Vacation Bible School. Radically changed. Their lives are different, transformed because of that. Listen, we know that God's going to save children and change homes because of what happens this week. So we're asking him, God, would you do a great work? Would you do a great work? We're believing God's word. We're, we're going to be obedient. And in the midst of that, it gives you strength to stand and endure because I need you to know God's word is trustworthy. He, he's going to meet what it is that he said to us. The scripture tells us that God is not slow, as some count slowness, that he will come, he will return. And so it gives us strength to obey, strength to stand. That that doesn't mean that we don't get tired and weary, right? We may wonder, God, are you hearing? God, are, are you going to answer? This happened with Sarah. In Genesis 16, in Genesis 16, Sarah was not getting pregnant. She had not had a baby yet. And so she looks at Abraham and says, Abraham, here's, here's my servant girl, Hagar. Why don't you take her and through her, the line could continue on. The, the line could happen. Maybe God will bless her with a child. Ladies, don't do that to your husbands. Don't, don't put that out there. Men, if by chance that is, Offered, no is the answer that you give, okay? No is the answer you give. Uh, listen, we know that that ended up happening. And it wasn't Isaac, it was Ishmael. And it has brought death and chaos. Didn't catch God off guard. He knew that that was going to happen. It happened under his sovereign will and his sovereign plan. And you know what? He even had a plan and a protection for Hagar and Ishmael. Ishmael. But what we see in Hebrews 11 is that Sarah is not condemned. She's not condemned because of her weariness, because of her 
her inability to say, I don't know if this is going to happen. She wasn't, that wasn't a condemn. She was counted as faithful because she continued to believe. Even in her disbelief, she continued to believe and God honored, not because she was faithful, but because he was faithful to his word. He honored what it is that he called them to do. And 25 years they waited and the Lord finally answered the prayer and sent the promised one. We, we live in a different time, don't we? It's instant everything. This morning, it was instant oatmeal. This afternoon, you're going to go home and try to find the... This week, Amy's sister is here. So my, my sister-in-law. Amy and my uh, sister-in-law and her cousin who came in from Kentucky, just kind of setting this thing. They decided they were going to go out Friday night for uh, a little dinner together. Kyle's at home. I open the cabinet, open the pantry doors, open the refrigerator. There's plenty, too many ingredients for me to get what I'm going for. You know, I just, I, I see men shaking your head. I, I, I was able to like get in my car, drive down the street, get something to eat. I'm not proud of this, but eat it and be home in 30 minutes. I mean, isn't that what a man does? I, I, I hear that. I mean, we live in microwave land. We live in fast everything. We live in, uh, I don't know how to get somewhere. It'll come up on the phone and about as fast as you can type it. I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking about a question. It's, hey, I'm not going to say the name because it'll go off in here about 10 times. <laughs> get me this answer. We're, we're for instant gratification. And what we end up doing is we bring that into our spiritual life. Salvation is instantaneous. When the Lord speaks, he opens our eyes, he saves us. Sanctification, though, is a process that takes a lifetime. There's nothing quick about it by design because the Lord has called us, those of us who are his children, who have surrendered our lives to him, who have submitted to his authority under the righteousness of Christ. Now, I need to... I'm full of parentheticals today. You realize that as a, a Christian is not the word that is used in the scripture for you most often. Most often for us who have surrendered our lives to Christ, we are in Christ. You are in Christ. Everything you need is in Christ. You are in Christ. And it takes a lifetime for us to be fully like Christ. He's not worried about getting what you desire today. It's not... It's not about fast. It's about you being sanctified. It's about you walking with him. It is about you obeying his word day by day and enduring in that. Walking in him. Getting up each day. Coming to him and dying to yourself. Dying to yourself. By obeying his word. By enduring in the word that he's given you. You realize the scripture tells us that all those who are true to him, they endure to the end. They persevere to the end. If they've gone out from us, they must not have been with us to begin with. We are called to endure. This is what real faith is all about. And some of you today, you're ready to pull the ripcord and you're going to dive out. 
because the world is saying, listen, you don't, ha- listen, you don't have to obey that. I want you to come over here. You've tried that. It's not worked. So you come here. Real faith says, no, we are obedient to the word that has been given to us. We endure in that. Even though, do you realize Abraham, uh, do, you, do you realize that Abraham never saw the full fulfillment of the, of the, of the, um, of the promise? Abraham was a man, the scripture says, who lived in tents. He never built the cities. He lived in the tents as a nomad. It, I'm getting ahead of myself. I want to stop here. Listen, we are called to obey We're called to endure because that's what real faith does. Let me ask you a question. What what are you sitting in the middle of right now that you need to endure in? God, I need perseverance. God, I need strength. God, I don't know how this is going to happen. I don't know how you're going to make a way, but I know that you are a way maker. God, you caused a 100-year-old man to birth a child, to conceive a child. Sarah, a 90-year-old woman, she gave birth. How, God, what I'm in, I'm going to trust you with. I'm going to endure and walk. This is what we've been called to. What is it that you're sitting in right now that you need perseverance and endurance in? Listen, don't let weariness win the day. Let his word be what drives us forth and gives us promise, and gives us hope. Many of us are bailing today because we don't know his word. (laughs) We're not able to stand strong. Many of us are bailing because we've forgotten all that he's done. This is why I say often, have you written down, what's the last thing God has done for you? What's the last thing he's come through on? What's the last, can you find the markers in your life where you can say, God, I'm going to stand here strong because you've done this, I've seen this, I've seen this, I've seen this. God, you, you, and if, if you're going, I don't know what they are, let me give it to you. He sent his son to die for you. That should be enough. That's it. That should be enough. If we get nothing else. God, I'm going to endure because Jesus endured. I'm going to stand. Real faith obeys. Real faith endures. And lastly, real faith pursues. Real faith pursues. Look at verses 9 and 10. Verses 9 and 10 say this. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward. Catch that. He was looking forward to the city that has foundations whose designer and builder is God. I said a minute ago how Abraham didn't see the full fulfillment of that. 400 years after Abraham died, his many descendants, the 12 tribes, the 12 tribes of Jacob, of Israel, they came out of captivity. We know it as the Exodus. They had been slaves in Egypt. They came back to the promised land. It was then that they began to build cities, to take cities, to set down residence. Do you realize he never did? 
The scripture says that he lived as a nomad in a tent. Somehow the Lord gave him a vision of a greater day, of a greater land, of a greater being, a greater place that he, that, that became the vision for his life that he pursued. You see, he was looking forward to a city with foundations that were built by God. Someone came out just a minute ago and told me a really great story. There was an old storyteller named Art Linkletter. Some of you who are older, you would know that name. Uh, Art Linkletter, or Art Linkletter tells, a, tells a story that he was friends with Walt Disney. This is back in the days prior to what Walt Disney, what Disney World and Disneyland and all is today. Whether you agree or not, I want you to hear this story because I think it's, it, it, it shows a point. Uh, Walt Disney took Art Linkletter to what is now Orlando and looked over a vast land, empty, nothing there. And he looked at him and said, I, I want you to invest in what I see. Do you see? And began to describe he said, can you see the land? Linkletter said, I, I, I don't have a clue what you're talking about. He said, no, I mean, can you see? Listen, and can you see? Do you understand? Can you see what could be? He said, no. Linkletter said, oh, I wish I could have seen. Now, I wish I could have seen. Listen, some way, somehow, the Lord God, I believe, gave him a vision of what was to come. Proverbs says, where there is no vision, the people perish. And it was the vision of a city. You see, the city wasn't just Jerusalem. The land wasn't just Cana. It was a city that was built by God himself, the scripture tells us, Hebrews says. Somehow the Lord gave Abraham a vision of the heavenly city. You see, it wasn't just a Jewish nation. He gave him a, a vision of of all the nations, the nations who would come. You see, it, it wasn't just those who are ethnically Jews. It is all of those who are true Jewish, those who have come under Jesus Christ, who've been grafted in, Romans tells us. And what ends up happening so often is that we begin not to pursue the kingdom of God, the vision of a greater land, a greater place, a, a greater Abraham, Jesus himself. We begin to sink roots. I read a story this week about a survey that was done a few years ago. And the survey had one question on it. And the one question asked them to ask these um, respondents to describe themselves, who you are. Describe who you are in one word. Describe who you are in one word. My question to you, could you, could you do that? Could you describe who you are in one word? One word. There was one word that was given twice over all the rest. Twice over all the rest. It was this. How would you describe yourself? An American. The very first thing. One word. American. Now, I want to say this to you. Uh, in the words of Lee Greenwood, I'm proud to be an American. I, I love the United States. Uh, it's as broken as it is. It's messed up in so many ways. I'm thankful for where I live. But I, I need you to know, 
that's not the first word that I want you to describe yourself with. If you are in Christ, if you are a follower of Jesus, you are a Christian first and foremost. And your allegiance, that doesn't mean that you don't love America and that you fight for your country, but your allegiance is to a land that you will one day see. Your your home, the scripture tells us that we just read, we are strangers, we are exiles, we are aliens, we are pilgrims in this land. And what ends up happening so often is we begin to put down roots. We begin to set foundations. In fact, we dig foundations deep. And we invest and we can't imagine life not being here. Abraham saw a land, he saw a city, he saw a vision, a people that were not yet. He obeyed, he pursued, he endured because he knew there was a day coming, the scripture says, where he would see a city that wasn't built by the hands of men. Its foundations were laid by God himself. Unless the Lord returns, unless the Lord returns, all of us are going to die at some point. Uh, He's going to return. I need you to know that. He's going to return. If he doesn't return before I die, when I die, my body is going to be put into a casket, a pine box, that's what I've asked for, set down at Maple View in Smyrna, dig a hole, put me in a pine box down in Maple View, right there by the soccer field where my kids played soccer. Maybe my grandkids or great-grandkids will kick a soccer ball over there. I don't know. My body's going to decay. It's going to go the way of the earth, as the Scripture tells us. But the Scripture also tells me and you that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And I want you to know it's true those of us who have died in Christ, when, we clo- when the Lord closes these eyes for the last time, and I wake up, and I see, I see heaven, I see the city built. Do you realize there there's going to be no more pain, no more suffering, no more tears, no more death, no more tornadoes, no more hurricanes, no more mosquitoes, There's going to be so much no more. But you know what there will be? My Savior. The one that I have longed to see face to face. Do you see what the Scripture says? Look what the Scripture says in 11.16, Hebrews 11.16. But as it is, they desired a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to, call, to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. I, I want to be, if you've come to a funeral of mine that I've done, not, I hope you all come to my funeral if you're still alive, <laughs> but if you've ever been a part of a funeral I've done, I say this often, this is not a funeral service, but based right there, Heaven is a very real place populated by real people that has been really prepared for the children of God. And if you surrendered your life to him, 
We're called to pursue that place, not set down roots so strong, not set down foundations that keep us pulled earthward. We're to be living lives that are Godward. When our attention is here, it causes us not to want to endure. What? Because we become so overwhelmed many times. That's why the Holy Spirit is the lifter of our head so that we can keep our eyes pursuing, so that we can keep our eyes obediently following. Those who have real faith, they obey. And as they obey, they're able to endure. As they endure, they're pursuing forward a city not built with hands, but the foundations laid by God, prepared by him for those of us who have surrendered our lives to Jesus Christ. I want to say, if you've never surrendered your life to Christ, you one day also will see heaven, but it won't be because you're staying there. Pains me to say that. But I believe in a very real place called heaven. And because I believe in a real place called heaven, there's also a real place called hell. And the scripture teaches that for those of us who have rejected him on earth, that we didn't want anything to do with God, we didn't want anything to do with following him, that we didn't endure, that you didn't pursue, he will one day give you over to everything that you've desired in your life, and it'll be a, an existence without him that is painful. The scripture says there is weeping and gnashing of teeth where the worm never dies and the fire is never quenched. And I tell you, that's what the Scripture speaks to us. And so today, I obediently proclaim that Jesus desires you today. Some of you in here, the, the Lord is stirring in your heart. He's opening your eyes to see, giving you faith to respond. And today, He's calling you to respond to Him calling you to respond. Some of you in here, you are followers. In fact, I would say the majority of you in here, you're probably, you, you are followers of Jesus Christ. You are in Christ, but you've realized you've been pursuing your kingdom and not the Lord's kingdom. You've been like planting roots and foundation stones here that he's trying to pry your hands off of. Abraham, Abraham, didn't see the full fulfillment. His generations are as numerous as the stars. They're numerous as the sands on the seashore. Men and women in here, I need you to know that who you're pursuing will speak generations from now. Whether or not you're enduring will speak generations from now. Because today really does matter for eternity. It really does matter for eternity. Today I invite you to Christ. Today I invite you to repent, to turn from your life of sin, from your faith and everything else, and come only to Him, to Jesus. Today, believer, if you've been pursuing something other than Christ's kingdom, the scripture tells us that he is a God who is steadfast in love, in mercy, 
It's grace abounding. And the thankful thing, the thing I'm most thankful for is that I don't have to be perfect in this. Oh, I've already been perfected, Hebrews tells me, because of the righteousness of Christ. But in my sanctification, my growing to be more like him, he is gentle with me. Just like he'd be gentle with you. And he calls us now to agree. Father, I've been planting roots here, and I've been pursuing this. And Father, I turn from that, and I pursue you alone. Today, whatever the Spirit has called you to, he's called you to obey. Not my words, but his words. Won't you do that? Father, I love you, and I thank you. I ask, God, that you would be so gracious to us to call people to yourself. Father, I'm thankful that you've given us your written word for us to obey. You've given us your written word to find life. You today have sent your Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus, to speak to us, to draw us, to comfort us, to save us. Jesus, we magnify you today. We honor you. And we would ask that you save people today. And it's in the name of Jesus I ask these things today. Amen.